Hi everyone, my name is Jessica Lynn Williams and welcome to episode one of Tara. I don't really think I want to number the episodes. There's really no point to be like, this is episode one. Anyways, this is the first episode and I recorded it with my friend Melissa. Um, you might know Melissa from the Mind Palace. We've known each other since like 2013 or 2014. Um, and yeah, I we, we both wanted to start podcasting back up again um but we wanted to start something a little bit different that would accommodate our schedules a little bit better so um yeah this kind of felt like a good middle ground so melissa will be on throughout this podcast and i'll have other people on as well um it'll basically be a podcast about whatever and whoever i'm interested in and even though that sounds slightly egotistical i promise it's not i kind of think one of the best things that you can do as an artist is cater to your own curiosity because I believe that that produces the best work. Um, and I find that a lot of people that put themselves inside of boxes to tend to um, prevent themselves from having exploring certain areas that they would otherwise explore. So this is a really open-ended podcast. It's going to be... It's going to be about whatever I'm interested in at the time. So the first three episodes are pretty awesome. Um, not because of me, of course, but because of the other people involved. The less I can hear my voice, the better I'll probably think the podcast is. So uh, for anyone who's ever recorded their own voice and heard it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So the first episode is going to be with Melissa Kane. Uh, she was my co-host on The Mind Palace, and she's just downright wonderful. She uh, lives in England, and she's my best lady friend across the pond. Um, the second episode will be with uh, with Stephen Morris. He actually, uh, he's on a team. It's BioLife 4D, and they are 3D printing hearts. Um, and then the third episode that we'll be releasing, and it'll all be released in one day, is his name is Johnny Boucher, and he started uh, something called Hope for the Day, which um, started a coffee shop in Chicago called Sip of Hope, and all profits from that coffee shop go directly towards suicide prevention. So um, yeah, we have a pretty exciting mix of people that are going to be on the show, and um, I hope you enjoy this ride as much as I do. All right, thanks and enjoy the show. My name is Jessica Lynn Williams, and welcome to Tada, uh, the podcast about whatever I'm interested in <laughs> at the time. And this is my wonderful co-host today, Miss Melissa Kane. Hi, I'm so excited. I love this. I know Melissa and I have been like cracking our knuckles like before the podcast. Like, just I don't know. It's weird. Like, it's hard to podcasting is hard it's not that it's hard in the sense that it's like I mean it's it's hard in multiple ways but I think it's like I think it's challenging because when you podcast you're putting your words and your voice out there for like the world to hear and judge and like let's be totally honest like the internet is not a nice place like the internet is like a straight up parallel to the real world it ain't 
totally a nice place it's downright vicious let's be honest <laughs> it's totally vicious but one thing that i like about podcasting though is that it uh like like so you know like working with the minimalists on their social media pages like you know josh and ryan will say some things that are like a little bit i don't know like things that people would have some commentary on if it was written down like if it was actually typed out you know and it was written down people would actually say something but when you have like an hour and a half or two hour long podcast usually it seems like to me people if they take issue with something then they're like well it's too much work to comment on it like you know Mm -hmm. yeah versus if you're reading you're already in front of the computer you're like typing and stuff like that yeah you can't edit yourself on a podcast well you can but but it's so obvious if you try and do so yeah I mean, like I've t- when when we like like when I've podcasted like at the very beginning when we were first podcasting, I took out like some of the ums and buts because I was like, oh, I'm so bad at this, and I'm like, no, now it's like I sound how I sound. If I sound stupid, like then I just have to sound stupid <laughs> for a while until I start to sound smarter. <laughs> Do you know what it is though? It's your own perception of yourself because I never think that listening to you, you know, when we used to listen to the podcast back. You always focus in on the worst parts of yourself, but I never got that vibe from you. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure you didn't from yeah. me either. No, no, no. So this is going to be really fun. So you and I, I mean, we're going to be podcasting together basically like whenever you're free. You've spent the last year in grad school. That's pretty exciting getting your your teaching degree. But Melissa and I, we podcasted for a while under the name The Mind Palace, but it kind of got challenging uh, between you know my myself touring with the minimalists and, and Melissa uh, Melissa going to grad school. So we're we're gonna be uh, podcasting again. We're back. Um, Melissa will be joining Tada intermittently. She's the only host. She's the only co-host on the podcast. She's the only one that's gonna be co-hosting, and uh, and she's the only one that I'm gonna be recording with like over the computer because you have to build up a rapport with somebody if you want to record over Skype. I hate Skype conversations. Like I don't, not to hate on anybody's podcast, but when you listen to somebody's podcast and people are computers away, you know, or thousands of miles away, it's so blatantly obvious. Yeah, there's so many social cues you end up missing. I think we didn't realize how difficult it was until you start interviewing people and you think, "Oh, there's so mm-hmm. many cues that you end up missing because you're over the computer, so you don't you don't see it." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think I think that like you and I have kind of broken down that wall. I mean, we received comments like that people were like, oh, it's like you guys are in the same room, which is totally like what we wanted. I think it takes practice to do that. Like if you want to be able to do that, but it's it's something that's important if you want to like facilitate a good conversation worth listening to. Yeah. And the thing is, like with anything, you're always kind of terrible at the beginning. I don't know if there's anyone listening who used to listen to the first episodes of The Mind Palace, but I can tell you they probably weren't the best quality. <laughs> oh my God. I like, I know we deleted like the first 20 episodes oh, or 15 yeah, episodes did. or something like that. I have those tucked away on a hard drive that I will resurrect when I'm 95 yeah, when and no longer give a shit about anything. We can listen to those. <laughs> okay when we're 80 all right that sounds good like i have to set a reminder on uh with not alexa whatever siri i shouldn't say her name um anyways (laughs) so we're recording today i hope you guys don't mind we're rambling but that's just kind of that's how this podcast is going to go yeah 
that's how it's going to go so if you don't like it then you should probably listen to a different podcast because <laughs> we like to ramble so all right so we're talking i was actually just telling melissa like it was it was one of those things that we were gonna start talking we started talking about before the podcast there's no Lacroix in the uk well i don't know if there's no Lacroix, but it's not like a huge thing like out here people wear like Lacroix bathing suits and like have like Lacroix photos why on is wall. it such a big like, thing though I, you know what I think it is? I think people are not drinking soda anymore. Right. And and they're looking for like a nice carbonated beverage mm. to have with like mixed drinks and something like, you know what I mean? Because I mean like the bottled water right now, I think we're at the apex where, you know, uh, like carbonated beverages like soda and Pepsi are going down and, and we're at the intersection where bottled water is actually hitting that same peak where bottled water and soda are kind of at the same point but they're going in obviously different directions uh soda going down and bottled water going up Mm -hmm. and i think people are kind of bored because it's like okay well what do we do if we're not drinking high fructose corn syrup like there's got to be something else aside from like soda water and lime so this is just an answer to that question yeah and soda water is disgusting it's literally like drinking salty water with bubbles but do you drink do you drink like soda water are you talking about soda water from like a Maybe I'm like talking from about one of those water. soda machines. I don't know. Oh, those are that, that's disgusting. Like the I don't mind. Like they they drink it like in Germany a lot, right? Yeah, you have it a lot over here with gin. A lot of people have it with gin. Yeah, but I've had it on its oh, own no. before, and it's oh, it's not. What is taste. in that? I don't know. It literally tastes salty. It tastes disgusting. I don't. I personally don't like it. But I like. Uh, I like drinking. We we drink a lot of Topo Chico when we were on tour for the Less Is Now tour. It's like a. It's a soda water. It's from Mexico, but it's infused with minerals. Mm. And I like that better because I'm like, all right, like I'm drinking water and it's infused with minerals, so there's like an added benefit to that. But I actually drink like. Um, I drink a lot of water that ha- like in the morning. I'll drink it with um, with sea salt with like Himalayan sea salt. Because sea salt actually has, don't make that face. <laughs> sea salt actually that just has like awful. Do you want to drink on a morning? It's not- Himalayan sea salt. Mm. <laughs> in water, in water, not just sea salt. It's really here's why. Okay, so here, fun fact: Himalayan sea salt actually has like seventy-two minerals. I think it's like seventy-two, but don't quote me on that number. Um, but seventy-two minerals, and the, they're the exact same minerals that we actually need for our body to like to thrive. And it's kind of ridiculous that it's all in that. Like, to me, it's like, then you have to be, like, when people are like, oh, there's no difference between sea salt and Himalayan sea salt. I'm like, no, there's a difference between, like, the Himalayan salt. It's not just because it's pink. Could you not just put it in soup and have soup for breakfast, though? I just feel like it's not some, a drink should never be salty. It, it, it hydrates you faster. What? I don't know. Yeah, but it's just because painful. It, it helps like carry. Green tea, it's, I know it's good for me, but it just tastes like murky water. Have you ever had jasmine green tea? I don't really like anything floral. People always think that I do. I, I get a lot of people just buying me herbal teas and I don't <laughs> like fruity teas and I don't know why. I've never expressed an, any sort of excitement around them, but people just assume that I like it. I've, I'm not a huge fan of anything really florally. I like peppermint tea. You know what tea. tastes like shit? Chamomile tea. Mm. Peppermint tea is really good. Chamomile tea, whenever I taste that, I literally feel like I'm eating like somebody's grandmother's potpourri. <laughs> That's exactly what it tastes like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about like the origins of where like the love for podcasting or the desire to like even think about podcasting started for me personally. And I realized my mom used to listen to AM radio a lot when I was a kid. Like, 
AM conservative talk radio and uh, Art Bell and Coast to Coast AM and jo- George Norrie. So if you guys aren't familiar with Coast to Coast AM with like George Norrie and Art Bell, then you guys have to check this out. So this is on between like midnight and 4 a.m. Um, and it's on AM radio in the United States, but you can probably get it in the UK, like, you know, through the Internet. And they talk about aliens. They talk about Bigfoot. They talk about like narwhal oh no not narwhals narwhals are real what's the other one Loch Ness Monster like all kinds of things shadow people my mom used to listen to it all the time and just I think uh the power of conversation is really valuable you know like we have uh the the running thoughts in our minds and that kind of goes somewhere and and when we meditate we can kind of stop and reflect back on those thoughts and, and kind of step away from them but the interesting about interesting thing about conversing with people and really allowing yourself to follow their train of thought is that's like kind of a third way in which our mind can kind of understand the world through somebody else's thoughts. Yeah, and there's nothing like connecting with people through conversations as well. You know, when you say something sometimes that you think is going to be totally insane and someone else says, yeah, I've had that exact thought. I think it's a really nice way to connect with people. And that's what's amazing about podcasting and things like that, because sometimes I listen to a podcast and you can totally put yourself in their shoes just through sitting and listening to it. And it's kind of nice not not to be distracted by what people look like. It, you just, it's kind of pure in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it, well, because everything is uh, distilled down to like, you know, I mean, if you watch the news, it's like, all right, now, so like you do a round table, you know, with like political conversations and then they have like a liberal conservative and then like somebody who's a total whack job and then they have like, all, you know, all of these people lined up They're like, all right, give us your thoughts. And then like they spend four minutes arguing and talking over each other and they're like, okay, now to commercial. <laughs> and you're like, what am I watching? Like, this is awful because nobody actually has a time to like really get down to their thoughts. And I think that like you know if you follow the thought pattern of really anybody even if you really strongly disagree with them you can actually see where they're coming from even if you think they're wrong and that's I think the value of podcasting now and why it's something that's really growing as a medium I think that we're actually I think that we're actually growing a stronger patience for understanding uh the way people talk and where they come from because of the way long-form podcasting has impacted our our culture yeah definitely and there's something that you can get get through that you can't get through in writing I think writing's quite difficult sometimes you don't get the humor or people's intentions as well whereas podcasting it's you can get that from it do you think it's like a cathartic experience for you as well podcasting yeah I I definitely think it's cathartic I think the main purpose for me personally is that like I I love to learn and I want like I think that podcasting is a great tool to learn about like learn from other people and um like I think it's a great I think it's a great asset and if you can like you know I'm not interested in going uh back to school because if I would be it would be I don't know what it would even be for but like the freedom that podcasting allows to be able to talk to anybody that you want to and then it's very non-committal it's like a two-hour class as opposed to a longer one not that there's not any value in that but it's just a I guess it's a form of like extended education or continuing education yeah I I can definitely say that especially with some of the people who you're going to be interviewing and the interests that you've got I'm excited just to listen it's nice for me to to be able to be involved, but I'm, all, I'm also really excited to be able to sit and listen to ones where I don't have to hear my own <laughs> screech, 
squeaky voice. I can Damn hear it. some intelligent conversation <laughs> between you and someone else. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Well, it'll be interesting. It'll be re- it'll be really fun. The next episode. Well, you know, I'll tell you guys at the end of this podcast where we're gonna be at. Well, no, I'll just talk about it now. I don't give a <laughs> shit. This guy, it's really cool. I'm so excited about this one. His guy, his guy's name is uh, Stephen Morris, and he uh, he's the CEO of a company called BioLife 4D. Um, and they are currently working on the project of 3D printing human hearts. And it's, uh, like I'm, I was, I'm just perplexed by like the concept overall, like the fact that we're even in this place right now to be able to be doing that. You know, I mean, I don't even know when organ transplants started, um, but it it wasn't that long ago. (laughs) To engineer your own like organs. Science is so cool, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I know. I know a lot of people into spirituality, and that's fine. But like, science to me, just like the things that we can really do nowadays, it just blows my mind. I'm like, how is how is that possible? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, I think it's interesting because we have all of these different technologies. Like, if you think about. If you think about all of the inventions that we have, we have speakers, we have Wi-Fi routers, we have printers, we have, um, you know, big oil rigs that's like, you know, suck like oil and fossil fuels out of the bottom of the earth. We have microwaves, we have spaceships, we have all of these different things. And, and, you know, we have smartphones. They all like contribute towards furthering technology. But what I find interesting is when people bring those technologies together in unexpected ways, like 3D printing and utilizing human DNA for that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think those are the minds that are going to do the most profound things in our like in our century is like, you know, and I think in the future overall, it's just bringing together these technological successes. Yeah, because it's all building in, in upon like what new. other people have done. That's what's incredible mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited to listen to that one. Yeah. Well, one thing that I kind of want to talk about science wise that I was like pretty perplexed by. So recently at uh, UCLA, University of California, they uh, they figured out how to listen to this. Okay, I'm just gonna read the title of the article. This is on LiveScience.com. But if you just search like on Google, like snail memory transfer, then then you'll what? find exactly what. Okay, I know. Okay, listen to. Th- okay, this is the title. Okay, so th- this is. It's kind of interesting. I think I'm just gonna like read the article partially. But scientists sucked sucked a memory out of a snail and stuck it in another snail. How did they know it was a memory? It, so it was based on a uh, a response, right? So, um, like a physical response, because that's really obviously the only way that. So, like, and I've read other articles about this because, like, of uh, so if you think about like, so there's a new concept. I don't know how new it is. It's new to me, um, but it's. I think it's probably taking a larger. It's like probably more, more of a. Uh, common concept like in the science field has probably been around for much longer but it's called epigenetic imprinting right which is when uh like it, i'm not a scientist obviously <laughs> i'm a i'm a lay person so uh for stupid people it's when uh like memories are transferred like valuable memories are transferred from parents to children like within their genes right so um so in this specific case of the snail, I'll just kind of like 
I'll kind of read through this. It says a new study strongly suggests that at least some memories are stored in genetic code and that genetic code can act like memory soup. Suck it out of one animal and stick the code in a second animal and that animal can remember things that only the first animal knew. So I think based on what I was reading of this, I have a feeling that this is probably more so like they know to react in a certain way Mm -hmm. because of the way that their parents reacted, but they don't necessarily know why. Yeah. So let's say like my great grandmother like was tormented by a massive kangaroo for years and years and years <laughs> like maybe i would have fears of kangaroos but i wouldn't really i wouldn't remember like oh i'm remembering like through my grandmother's memory yeah. that like she was tormented i i think that it's more so like it's uh it's something that you're not conscious of yeah so our fears are kind of triggers that have maybe happened like through our generations but that's crazy though because you don't think about you don't think of animals as necessarily having memories but i guess that's what you're hinting upon with the whole grandma being tortured by a kangaroo sort of thing <laughs> where it's not yeah they don't, like physically have that memory they're not recreating that moment right. but they have a response that wouldn't have been there if that memory wasn't imprinted on them exactly right. exactly okay good i didn't fuck up while explaining this. okay <laughs> All right, so I just I'm just going to kind of expound on it. It says that sound might like science that might sound like science fiction or remind some readers of debunked ideas from decades past, but it's serious science. In a new study, researchers at the University of California extracted RNA, a genetic messenger molecule from one snail. So like RNA from what I can remember is the instructions to DNA. So DNA is like what uh decisions your body is like has to make the RNA is instructions to that, I suppose. So like but I thought the DNA RNA was the actual. Turns into... How, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to say it because I, I think, think it's I, I think that's what I think it's RNA is instructions to DNA. Right. But I don't really know the ins and outs of all that. I just know that basic whatever. But anyways, um, it says so they. They extracted RNA, a genetic messenger molecule, from one snail and implanted it in another snail. Then, for good measure, they dribbled that same RNA over a bundle of loose neurons in a Petri dish. In both experiments, the recipient, either the snail or the Petri neurons, remembered something the donor snail had experienced. The memory was simple, the kind of thing even a snail's reflex-based brainless nervous system can hold on to. The shock of an electric zap in the butt. But how... At that signal... If it doesn't have a brain, how can it have memories? So a snail doesn't have a brain. But what so they're like arguing nervous is that system instead. memory isn't found in the brain. What? Uh, there have been arguments that memory... Uh, yeah, they don't really know how memories work necessarily. Like where they're located in the brain. Mm. And, and I mean, they and they know that... I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Because, I mean, and, and, and they're also kind of trying to figure out the way neurons work. Because for a while, they thought that neurons were just located in the brain. But now they're actually finding that it's, like, actually located. You have neurons in your heart, which I think is really romantic. Um, but you oh. also have neurons in your stomach. But Oh, that's even more romantic. It explains my love of food. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, basically, what they did is they snapped the snail... And then it sent a signal through their ner- nervous system and they their bodies retracted something called a parapoda. And um, so at that 
at that experience, basically, they pull in. They, like, restrict if there is a zap, right? But wouldn't that happen anyway, though? That's, like, someone hitting me with a stick. Like, I'm obviously (laughs) going to retreat from that. Whether or not I've got that memory before. So let's say say you have pre, like, pre-experimental melissa let's say let's let's say there are there are three melissas okay there's 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 like well i don't know how many melissas there's gotta be maybe yeah there's three so okay so let's say that we we beat one we we, we beat melissa a with a stick mm-hmm. and then <laughs> this sounds like a really weird metaphor <laughs> this is how it's coming out <laughs> and then melissa b we leave alone okay okay and then they and then we extract the rna from melissa a and melissa b mm-hmm. And we apply we and we apply it to two different future Melissas. Mm-hmm. The reaction that Melissa A would have, um, the uh, when that is applied to the future Melissa, mm-hmm. when that is applied, if you were like if that one was beaten by a stick, I'm explaining this really poorly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is is that the reaction was deepened. So right. if like, so that's why and and the when they took the RNA and they applied it to the new snail that new snail that had that rna from the zapped previous snail Mm -hmm. that snail retracted longer and more like intensely than the other snail did and that's why so they still have to try it out on other things because you know snails don't have brains but they're going to be trying it on mice soon right that's it that's insane there's so much in the world that's a mystery doesn't it like in one way, I'm so interested by it all, but in another way, it it really scares me. You know, like how little we actually know about everything, <laughs> how little we know about ourselves. <laughs> well, and how little like we're actually going to know, yeah. like like because like how many questions are totally like unanswered. Like the way that I see it, I'm like, all right, we're like Earth is a giant spaceship, and like imagine, okay, imagine like a spaceship. And all these people are asleep on this on a spaceship and they all wake up on the spaceship and they're like, we don't know how we got here. We don't know where we're at. We don't know what's going on, but we have to like survive. And then I feel like Earth is just a giant spaceship and we're all just humans being like, we don't know what we're doing here. So we're going to create normalcies like going to the DMV and going to the post office and getting groceries and like, you know, yeah. doing creative things as a means to like kind of work through it emotionally yeah it's it's insane I think last year I was I finished reading Sam Harris's Free Will and I was literally I was on holiday at the time so I was sat around the pool and I finished <laughs> that is such a weird book to read <laughs> on I know life affirming book I know most people read some kind of crime <laughs> thriller on there I know. reading Sam Harris and I, I rem- yeah you don't you don't have free will like what a like what a bummer sorry I, like I'm glad that that's nice that you read that book but what a bummer I know I, I, I finished the book and I put it down and I looked around and I thought whoa like it just totally changed my opinion on every it was crazy he was saying one part about how like in your brain your brain's already decided like say when you're reading a book like something like three seconds before you actually stop reading a sentence your brain has already made that like something's already made that decision to stop reading so like where does free will actually come from because like your brain's already made most decisions before you've consciously had a chance to think about it do you know what I mean so it's kind of like that subconscious is making a lot of our decisions but we're unaware of it but we like our brain kind of makes up this story to back it up so we obviously don't go crazy and we're like oh what's going on here but I just thought whoa that's insane and yeah everyone else was just sat around the pool like nothing had happened and my whole world had changed 
drinking a mimosa. <laughs> well, it's kind of, I think it's kind of like difficult because like part of me is like, part of me doesn't want that to be the mm. case. Part of me is like, no, I want to know that I have like autonomy to make all decisions. But then I also think like, I don't know if I had to make a choice for everything that I did every single day, like it's, it's good that we go on autopilot in some ways. Like we, we weigh the pros and cons based on like the risk and reward. Yeah. And like, and sometimes I think it's good to make that decision, but at the same time, sometimes it's like, sometimes I wonder whether or not like the free will argument, if that's even true. Cause if we did have free will, like then why would we create? Like there's no, there's not necessarily like a reward in creating. It's kind of pointless. I mean, it, there is a reward, but not, not, like survival wise mm. that's why i wonder if humans are kind of outside of that um because we we're like one of the only animals that are like really really function creatively in the way that we do yeah i think it just made me think a little bit deeper about i don't know you know like the decisions that you make you know like why you choose to have a cup of coffee over a cup of tea some days like it's even just decisions like that where when you really think about it you don't know why i don't know why today i chose to drink that drink Whereas yesterday I chose a different drink. It's just, I think, I don't often think about where, or before I'd read that book, I didn't often think about why I was making the the decisions that I was. And it just kind of changed my mind about that because I thought, well, I maybe don't have as much control as I think that I do. And in some ways that's terrifying. and, And in some ways it's kind of comforting. Yeah, there are some people that argue that, uh, that, um, and I don't know if Sam Harris argued this. I've, I've heard, I think that he may have, cause I know that he was on a podcast with Rogan and he, that was, this was like, I think this was part of his argument. If I remember correctly, that, um, you know, in the future we'll actually look at like putting people in prison for, for crimes they've, they've committed as like heresy mm. because we'll be like, well, like those were biological like decisions that were made and it was kind of predetermined based on, uh, like where that person was at at the time, how they were feeling at the time, the tools and assets that they were given growing up. and and But that also kind of takes all responsibility away. I think that's one of the reasons that people don't like that yeah. idea of not having free will. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> We've come a long what, way from snails. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, what, what was his main argument that pushed you like over the edge that was kind of like, what were the arguments that twisted your brain the most? Um... I think I think it was that one that I said about where your decisions of of like where if you put if you were to put your brain like in an MRI scanner or whatever it is and you know one of those things where it shows up the different areas of your brain and like what your thoughts are that the the idea that that thought or that decision was already made before I'd had the thought so it's I don't know like it's kind of crazy how sometimes we just elaborate on things that we don't really know why you know when when you do something stupid like really stupid and afterwards you think why did I do that and you think I don't really know I don't I don't know why I did it I could make up an excuse and say oh it was because I was tired or something but realistically I'm not sure (laughs) I don't know where it came from or why I said that stupid thing or why I did that I I don't know It, it was comforting but yeah in some ways I feel like those things are so beyond my own comprehension I don't I don't really know what what I think about it I don't think I'm intelligent enough to kind of (laughs) make a decision on whether I think that that's right or wrong or I don't know it's just yeah it's it can be kind of overwhelming because it I feel like 
a lot of times we try to rationalize like we we want we want to create reason for all of the things that we do because we want to feel in control so we just like we try and rationalize everything and like you said like we'll just create a reason for something i think that's one thing that's really hard is is for us to like remove confirmation bias and look at things from a really objective standpoint mm-hmm. and um and i think that that's one of the most i don't know i think that's probably one of the most profound things about humans like I, and that that's what really like when we're talking about this like the concept of free will i don't know like part of me like i i can understand the argument against us having it like i can appreciate where that comes from because like you know if you think about like you know your human biology your microbiome the way that influences your personality and capacity for discipline or withholding you know withholding pleasure and like you know trying to um have discipline like all of those things that's all influenced by our human biology. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but at the same time, though, like, I just wonder if humans are removed from that. Because, I mean, like, that's one of the biggest mysteries of, like, the human race is how our brains grew to be as large as they did. And, and a lot of people believe that was due to the consumption of, of fats and meat and, and potentially psilocybin mushrooms. So, like, with the combination of all of those things, our brains are, are, they function on a totally different level. And I wonder if they can, like, I don't know, if if there's a way that we have actually, like, moved out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a valid point. I don't know. It's crazy. I enjoy thinking about these things, but (laughs) sometimes I enjoy the fact that I don't, totally understand everything that's going on because I think you know to be that intelligent and kind of have I don't know understand that much is sometimes a bit of a curse I don't think that we do understand that much I think that like you know here's because I was thinking about oh or Matt and I were talking the other day we were talking about um like just just like the earth like the context of the earth like being in space like intellectually like, I understand that the Earth is in space and it's round. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope I just triggered a bunch of flat earthers. So this round, circular, globular, three-dimensional, non-conspiratorial planet is floating around Earth <laughs> and or floating around space. And uh, and like, I think like intellectually, like I understand that the Earth exists and that like it's context. But I don't think that like emotionally, like I, I don't think that any of us fully grasp like the enormity and the complexity and the like just like the bizarre nature of it all I think that if we actually understood all of that emotionally we would be all clinically insane yeah because as animals we have to be self-involved so I think that during the day sometimes I don't know if you're sat drinking a cup of tea and you'll just think I'm on the earth which is just it's flying around this sun it's (laughs) it's like insane when you actually think about it. you're like right now I think what's crazy is sometimes to think because you you obviously experience everything from your own perspective so sometimes I think like imagine all the people doing different things in the world right now as I'm sat drinking this cup of tea you know there's people around the world working and doing different things I I, I don't think we'll have that the capacity to, to maintain that for a very long period of time but it's nice to have a break every once in a while and kind of break out of your own brain and think right okay there's there's a lot of other things going on because I think we're meant to be very self-involved but I think sometimes that's our own downfall as well to kind of get caught up in everything that's going on in our own lives a little bit too much and that's why I love stuff about space because it reminds me how 
tiny and insignificant a lot of my problems are. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love I love thinking about that. Um, one of the things, like I like to think back 300 years. Like I like to think about my life now, I'm like 2018. I'm like, all right, here I am, 2018 like hanging out and like recording a podcast and then I'm like all right imagine like three years in the future like if I was to refle- reflect back mm-hmm. like like that's how I try and think about what I want my role to be in the world is I try and reflect back on um I try and reflect back like look at myself in the past obviously like being in the present and try and think about like the role that all of this plays and it makes it a little bit easier to handle like more difficult situations I feel like the Stoics probably did that a lot yeah I think that's kind of what that what it's based around but yeah it's nice to have a little bit of freedom a little bit of a break from it yeah I think like I I like to like tiptoe that line I I like to dip in and out of it like I'll watch an episode of Seinfeld and like get caught up in the minutia and the bullshit and then and then from there I'll like you know like ponder deep space and and it, it just makes it a little bit easier to like handle day-to-day like struggles and frustrations and stuff like that because I feel like I can look beyond it a little bit better. Yeah, it's crazy to think that there's Buddhist monks and stuff that kind of have, I mean, I know it's not the it's not the same, they don't necessarily think about space, but to have that kind of perspective a lot more of the time, I think that must be, that must be really nice, but it must take a lot of training, a lot of determination to be able to think like that consistently. I wonder how they think about things differently, though, because of that. Like, I wonder how, I wonder how that would change, like, the your drive for like purpose and meaning. Is that would totally? I think that totally changes it. Like, when you talk to somebody who's aware of that, like, context of us being on Earth. Like, when you talk to somebody who's deeply aware of that and reflects on that on a regular basis. Oh my gosh! Speaking of, I got this new app that I have to tell you about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So this is an app. It's called We Croak. We and croak. We croak. Right. And hang on. Let me, I have to like open it up because it. I want to read like there's an about section in the app. Okay. It says in Bhutan, I think it, I don't know. It's like some sort of like traditional, just, just pretend that you know what it is. Okay. They say that contemplating death five times a day brings happiness. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, uh, downloaded this app and it reminds you like five times a day that you're going to die. And it's actually, it's really amazing because I'll be sitting there and my phone will be like, ding. And like my first thought now, it's not, it's so crazy. My first thought isn't, I have a text message. My first thought is, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is so morbid. But I know what you and mean. T- I get how that yeah. can be. Like comforting. It's like that what we saying before, it's like a break. Like for for like for phone addiction? Are you kidding me? Like for phone addiction? Like when people <laughs> yeah, that would definitely like, put you off picking up your phone. You think, oh, I don't want to know that. I'm I'm already aware that that is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely spectacular. I just love like I just love the fact that like you have something that can change your thoughts so quickly. Because now, like as before, that that ding, like I had that automatic response. Like I have a text message, or I have to post, you know, from the minimalist to like their Instagram or whatever. Like I was that's what I normally would be thinking of and now like my automatic response is like Pavlov's dogs it's like I just think about my casket but I don't really want a casket <laughs> so do you want a casket um I don't know I haven't thought about it all that much you have not know it kind of it kind of creeps me out I'm I'm not gonna lie there's 
and there's a big part of my brain that just I can't I can't get around death I just don't I don't understand it at all it just it, it I don't understand how something's there and then it's not there yeah it's just it's really it's really bizarre to me I don't yeah, know I think it's... I think you, you as you get older I think you make peace with it a lot more I'm not yeah. at the stage where I've made peace with it I don't know I mean I'm not like I'm not terrified well I am kind of terrified of it I think you, I think you meant to be that's what survival's about isn't it we're all animals but oh I don't know I don't know I I get how it can be comforting but it is something that freaks me out quite a bit yeah I think I don't think I want a casket I think I want an urn like or I don't even I don't even want an urn no just like I just want to like ashes just like throw me like somewhere in Hawaii or something like that like yeah. I just don't think whenever I see a graveyard I think that's a lot of real estate to be taken up imagine if we had a graveyard for I'm serious let's be pragmatic about this how many people are going to be alive and die well, in yeah, the next but then it's, thousand it's years the circle of life then all but the maggots and things a- like eat it oh why are we having this conversation I started that but, sentence uh, and then I thought I don't want to end this sentence <laughs> But th- th- here's the thing, though. Here's what I'm thinking about. Like, okay, like, think about all the cemeteries that you see. If we had, like, a cemetery plot for every person that has lived and died, the entire world would just be cemetery plots. Like, I think that cemetery plots are kind of, like, that's they're not, they're, they don't, they're not really, like, future thinking. Like, mm-hmm. how many, how, how many of our beautiful lands do we want covered up by cemetery plots? Not many. <laughs> don't take up that room. it's a beautiful forest like you don't need a giant rock commemorating your life like (laughs) I don't know like to me like once I'm gone I'm gone like I'm not really like what does it matter someone else can decide what to do with this yeah do whatever you want I am not my own problem at that point I am totally and utterly someone else's problem (laughs) yeah you know what you can do actually I heard about this recently you can like get your ashes mixed in with this like I don't know. It's like in like this container or something like that. Oh wait, there's a couple of things that you can do, but um, one of them is that y- they can actually like use your remnants to create a tree. That's pretty cool. I think I'd like to yeah. be a tree. I feel like I was born to be a tree more than I was a person. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd probably enjoy the afterlife being a tree a lot more than I'm enjoying right now. <laughs> it's so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> It just feels like it would be a lot simpler. Although, although I'm interested, I I read I read the t- I'm going to be to- total disclosure. I read the title of an article that said that trees sleep. I did not read the article, but I was definitely it definitely piqued my interest. That that definitely sounds like me as a tree because I really enjoy <laughs> sleeping, and <laughs> I think I'd be great as a tree. So. I, the trees. I wonder if uh, it makes it made me think about if the if trees have circadian rhythms. I don't know if they do, but mm. I wonder if artificial light may be impacting the way that like our uh, our flowers and like our grass and our trees function. Like, I wonder how that I wonder how that works, because like just because it's not UVA or UVB light, like doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't influence, you know, like influence the environment around it. Yeah, but it's about photosynthesis, though. So they need actual sunlight to be able to photosynthesize but do you think that that there's a possibility that just the presence of light itself not coming from uva or uvb rays might have an impact on it i don't know i mean they seem to be doing all right i'm having a look out my window right now and things are green 
Yeah, they seem to be. You, I want. There's actually a forest ecologist that I kind of want to have on. She's based oh, in Chicago. I'm thinking about having her amazing. on. Amazing. That sounds yeah. incredible. I think it could be a lot of fun. So you, so like, there are different articles that we wanted to both talk about. I want to hear what, like, what piqued your interest that you wanted to bring onto the show today to talk about. Um. Okay. So I've, I, I'll have to admit, I'm like you. I'm, I'm not a scientist, so. I understand like the bare basics <laughs> of what's going on. But just before I was going to work the other week, I was sat watching the news and I think there's been a lot of stuff on the TV. There's been a lot of stuff in magazines, you know, about the the problem that we'll have with plastic. Um, it's kind of destroying our oceans and we really just need to cut it out. But I got really excited because there's this enzyme that they've found that breaks up the molecules in plastic. And yes! I was so excited about it. Honestly, I, I don't think I've ever been this excited in my entire life. It felt like my birthday. I just thought, how incredible is that? Like, this is, I mean, it, in no way does it, like, address the problem that we've got. Um, and I think we're still, like, a long way off kind of dealing with that but even just that ray of hope that little bit of light made me so excited and I thought how incredible is like life like just the things that like I don't know that like nature can do I like I bow down to it I think it's incredible and also scientists like the fact that they can create and make these things oh how exciting yeah well it also the fact okay they and they accidentally made it if i remember yeah. correctly because i read an article about it a while ago recently too but they yeah they accidentally created this thing i we're solving i think that we're going to be solving these problems we're understanding now i mean i think that we have to we have to understand like the only way that we'll understand the repercussions of our actions is by experiencing them and you know we couldn't experience those repercussions when plastic was invented in the 50s because they didn't really realize that like that material would proliferate into so many different industries and uses. But now that we see its value and like its uses and what we can actually do with it, we're realizing too that like those things don't go away and, but maybe they do. Maybe they do through this enzyme. No, maybe they could. Yeah. Who knows? We need a little bit of hope because I think sometimes, especially when I watch environmental documentaries or I read about it in magazines or you see pictures of it and it just seems like such an insurmountable problem so to even have you know that little ray of hope I think is really important to know that you maybe this is something that we can deal with because it is quite a scary Mm -hmm. thing especially when you see places in India that are just off the sea and you see the the beach is just totally clogged with all this plastic and it is it is quite humbling because I think that you know we've been quite naive to the impact that we're having and to see it kind of accumulate in the way that it is and I mean to see to see beaches and stuff so wrecked by just pure litter you don't realize the impact that you know having one bag of crisps or that like that 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 doesn't go away (laughs) like Mm -hmm. hundreds and thousands of years and that that bag of crisps, the, the empty bag of crisps is still going to be there. That's um, that's quite scary. So, yeah, I think we needed something to cheer us up a little bit. thought it was exciting news. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I read a book recently by Sebastian Younger. It's You would love it. It's called Tribe. Oh, I think um, I've seen that, but I haven't read it oh, yet. Oh, man. Oh, you would love it. It's so good. Yeah. And 
it's it's brilliant yeah i'm totally I'm, I'm following in your footsteps of you having being obsessed with tribes i'm like oh yeah i'm like i love <laughs> tribes because you know what you know what's interesting like tribes are like the answer to our questions of why we are the way that we are like on a social level i think that's really interesting and, and when you think about the way that litter functions in our world that's actually that's a social issue and um the argument that he makes is that in 2008 when they had all of those bank bailouts and and all of those uh there, there were these banks that that made these risky loans to uh, people who wanted to take out mortgages to people that could not pay them back and then the government bailed out those banks and uh when those banks received those bailouts a lot of the owners of those banks received golden parachutes just like large sums of money loads and loads of money and then they you know they left the business and then they're like you know living living high on you know whatever sitting on golden toilets or whatever they do yeah with all of their money so (laughs) one thing that was kind of interesting though is that if you think about it like that is a that is a huge lack of responsibility like on a moral landscape you have this we have a massive society it's no longer 300 people it's you know more like you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of billions of people, you know, depending on like how large or small your country is. And so we're having to function within that. So the way that that functioned within the United States is we saw all of these people and all of these resources are being wasted away. But if you were in a tribe of 300 people and six months of resources were wasted away by one person, there would be a level of accountability. Yeah. And um, I don't think that in our society we feel that same level of accountability and that's I think that that litter and trash that is number one in my opinion a uh, a demonstration of how we are we don't feel accountable to each other we don't feel a sense of responsibility or ownership of each other and not like in a negative way I mean like you know in a in a kind way like that we should be taking care of each other um, but also not to mention like we also don't have a very strong relationship with the value of the earth. Like if you don't value something, then you're not going to like take care of it. So we, I think that that is just a very, very, um, very surface level, like a demonstration of how we are totally divorced of the idea of the earth in space, its rarity, its beauty, its resources, like what, it has to offer it's it's a totally incredible thing and if we were more deeply aware of that then we would have a stronger understanding of of its impact or our impact on the world yeah because it's it's an environmental responsibility but it's also a social responsibility though as well like and I think that you touched upon that and we don't I think that we're living in a generation that's very me 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 what I do doesn't matter what's important is me and yeah, I think we have like lost those connections. We've lost the importance of just, I don't know. I always get sad sometimes when I walk around where I live in England and you see loads of just rubbish and I just think people don't care. And that's really sad. Like the fact that you can just throw some rubbish on the floor and not actually care. You wouldn't, you know, well, most people I would like to think wouldn't do that in their own house. And like the earth is basically a big house for us all. And some people don't care and I think that we do need to care more you know I'd, I'll talk about it with my year ones and they they care do you know what I mean so what does it say about the people who don't and I think we do need a little bit more social responsibility to think like what I do does affect other people so I have to think about that 
Yeah, especially contextually when you think about like the future, like future generations as well. Actually, like uh, I did this like a couple weeks ago and I think I told Matt I'm going to start doing it as like a regular thing and just like going out and when we go for a walk, just bringing a plastic bag and like wearing gloves and then just like just taking one bag of trash and just like picking that up. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because like I did that because we're just going for a walk. It's not like I'm like going out specifically to do that. I'm just kind of like that's just something that I incorporated but I felt weird though I'm like oh god like people are gonna look at me weird because I'm going out and I'm picking up trash like they're gonna (laughs) like but it was like it it shouldn't be weird and um and I think this I think this is where like environmentalism makes a wrong turn though is I think that environmentalism makes a wrong turn about those nature documentaries about like how things are going so poorly like I think that there's a role like that that definitely fulfills a purpose but I think you know positive reinforcement will win every time so I think it's probably less about like I think that we should probably like we've talked a lot about you know like how shitty uh oil spills are and how shitty plastic is for the world and all these things but I wonder if we were to encourage a deeper relationship with the earth how that would go away because really like littering is like more of a symptom of a lack of that relationship so maybe like having a deeper respect for like national parks and public lands and like I don't know just a strong like just a stronger relationship with that kind of preservation yeah I think it's I don't know though like you can look at things like quite negatively but it probably is like a small minority they're actually making it that way you know I think a lot of people do care a lot of there's a lot of people who would never drop a letter probably more that wouldn't than that do but you notice mm-hmm. you notice the people that do so yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know how you change that I know what you're saying about like having a closer relationship with the earth but what does that actually look like because we, we are very removed from it especially if you live in a city you are like totally removed from it sometimes and you know, we've got phones and iPads and computers and I think people have more of a relationship with those things nowadays than they do with the plants outside and the actual things that sustain us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you know what's kind of interesting is that I, I think that uh, I think that there are different ways that we can utilize like our phones to augment that experience to make it not more interesting, but I don't know, I guess like kind of to kind of learn more there, there's this I don't remember the name of an app this app but it's an app where you actually you go out and you can go in your backyard and you can take a picture of any plant any flower any I think you can probably do mushrooms too and you submit it to this app I'll have to like I'll have to look it up but I don't know just search it on google um but anyways it's like this app where you send a photo of whatever the plant is to the app and then uh biologists will figure out the name of the plant for you and then you can catalog like all of the plants that you encounter like in your backyard and and I think that they actually might be doing that to like map out different species too like I would imagine that they would have to do that if they're getting access to all that information yeah it's strange to think that we just used to have this knowledge of plants and stuff you know like even before apps were around (laughs) like yeah people just knew oh don't eat don't eat that plant that's poisonous but you can eat this one. This one's good. Like, that's crazy that it took trial and error. You know, like, oh, Bob last week ate that and it didn't turn out well. (laughs) Don't eat that. Whereas now you can just (laughs) nip on this app and it'll tell you. 
Yeah, I think I wonder like how our minds have kind of acclimated to see like utilizing that same approach towards different areas of our life now. Because really, like if you think about it, like we're we're kind of just like hijacking previous things that were utilized in nature. Yeah. So now it's like now like there are certain things that we know. Like if you receive like an email, like I, I got an email a couple weeks ago from like somebody at Live Nation or something like that about a tour stop. And I got it and I'm like, this doesn't look right. Like, this looks weird. It doesn't look correct. Like, it, it, felt, it felt weird. So I sent a text message out, like, this looks weird. And then, you know, I found out that that person was hacked. And it's, and it's, not, it's not the same thing because you're not utilizing, like, texture and taste and touch and shape. Like, you have a – it's a different thing. But I'm like, it's, it's a phishing email. So, like, we still have these – ways of um, protecting ourselves and, and utilizing that intuition but it's an intuition that's ingrained in technology that we've created yeah. so in a way it's like native to the human mind while also not being native to the human mind because like technology is a result of our collective human minds creating something using like science and electricity and you know like metal and all kinds of stuff and like we're just digesting that all in our like super primal brains that are not super advanced. It's, we have, a, you know, we have the same brains that we had like 150 years ago. Yeah. I, I always think, how does the internet actually work? Like, how does it work? How does Wi-Fi work? Like, you can't see Wi-Fi. It's, I don't know. Do you think that's like insane? I'm like, how does it actually, how does it actually work? How does it happen? How can I talk to you, like, across, like, a very vast ocean, literally on the other side of the world? How can I see your in, face? How can, like, I hear like, your no voice? Time. How is yeah. How is a voice, like, trapped in a machine? Like, imagine, like, travelling forward in time from, like, the 1400s and turning on a computer and listening to someone's voice coming out of it. And no one's like, oh, be... this is crazy. But it is. That's insane. How, I don't know, how can we record our voice? And it when isn't you listen to like, it, it literally sounds like your voice. Isn't like the, the first time that we're not understanding technologies that we're, that we are in interaction with on a daily basis? Like, when did that start? When did we, when did we start, like, when did we as a human race start creating technologies that, like, only a very small fraction of the population understood? I don't know. I mean, does anyone fully understand it? There must be some people who understand it, surely. Yeah, but but I wonder even if people who understand it the most, I mean, they probably only have to understand, they can only understand a small amount. You know, because, okay, so like, so like internet, it comes from like, you know, it's satellites out in space, right? That's like one of the parts of it is that there's like a satellite out in space that like gives us access to internet. There's like a couple satellites. Are there a lot of them? Yeah, there's loads of satellites. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel really stupid. Like, it's like one large internet satellite. <laughs> I don't know how many satellites. There, but there's satellites out in space, and that's like that's like a portion of it. But like, even the person that under understands the way internet works the most profoundly out of any of us, they probably don't understand exactly how that satellite works. Yeah. I so I mean, it's kind of in- intimidating because then that means that we need each other. Yeah. Probably more than we ever have. Ah. Like, we have to work together more, right? Yeah. Because, like, you know, Steve knows about toilets and, and 
Marsha knows how phones work and I don't know about how either of those work. So then I need them like and, and we act like we don't. But I think that we've kind of like commodified it and made it more like a payment system. But in, in a way, it's interesting because we've created a system in which people can add value to other people's lives from totally across the world. And where our knowledge is is more spread out. Um, and because I think because of the fact that our knowledge is like more spread out, we need each other. I think that we're, we're able to move forward more. I mean, we don't see technology in that way a lot of times, but I mean, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Do you think now, because the world's a much smaller place, obviously with the internet and, you know, we can talk from different sides of the globe. Do you think people, do you think we're less unique? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like in the context of the world. You know how like we're all like social creatures, so you, you learn from each other and that's how you pick up traits and habits and things like that. Like I wonder I don't know, like are we using are we losing some of our indiv- individuality in a sense? Do you know what I mean? Because we have access like we all have access to each other from so far away that we end up all being a lot more alike. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, sometimes I see teenagers nowadays, you know, who are on social media and stuff like that. Genuinely, when you just look through your own social media, I think, you know, a lot of people are very similar, or at least they come across that way. They, they won't be in real life, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> no, I think I know what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense, though, because, like, um, if you think about, I think we talked about this like a while ago, but one thing that we talked about was like, okay, like the way makeup functions, like people have been wearing makeup for thousands and thousands of years, but like now it's different because like there is, because of the internet there, like the, uh, the totem for like beauty is a very specific thing for all of us versus like 3000 years ago. It was like one tribe was like, we use red war paint on our foreheads and on our noses. And the other tribe uses yellow war paint like on their cheeks and on their chin. And like and that was a form of expressing beauty or whatever was like utilizing those paints. And um, and, and that was like a form of individuality too, like in between tribes versus now, like we also have this standard of beauty that is like contoured face like instagram eyebrows like the whole shebang but you know it's like yeah so at the same i don't know i think that that it's interesting because in a way we can probably all look very alike because of that one epitome of beauty Mm -hmm. but at the same time now we have access to so many like ways of thinking and different cultures and ways of doing things like that we can really creatively grow from each other and and figure out different ways of doing things that we wouldn't that we wouldn't have otherwise seen so I think that it's probably like a a catch-22 in some ways yeah that's a fair point I get what you're saying it's just I don't know it's it's strange like the internet the internet and social media kind of I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't. I, well, I do, but at the same time, I don't. It's a bit of a, it's a strange medium, isn't it? Where you try and connect with people and you try and put forward your best self with laughing because literally just before we started recording, we were both try, trying to put up some kind of Instagram <laughs> story <laughs> and it was so difficult. And Melissa's like, hey. I'm like, hey. I'm Baby. Like, why, do I, why do I sound like that? That's I, know, I sound like that too. 
Yeah. (laughs) You can never like capture who you really are through these things. And yet we try so hard to express ourselves through them, but it's really, it's really difficult. And you see this kind of one dimensional person and then we all judge each other based off these one dimensional people, one dimensional like people. And I know, I know some people in real life who are a lot different to who you would see on social media and you would never guess that those two people were the same person. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of, I think it's, it's like we want to be seen. Yeah. Like we want to, like we want to be seen, but we want control. So like we want to be seen in like only the way, in only the best wanna... way. <laughs> yeah. Like best in angles. only the best way. I know, man, even like, yeah, it's really, it's crazy to me that like the, yeah, like the filters that are, that are put on and stuff like that. And, and I wonder like, I mean, that changes our perception of like, of who we are who other people are and I think that we kind of lose like our sense of humanity like I don't know like I I have a sun damage on my forehead and and part of me kind of likes it you know like even though there are filters to like cover it up and I could wear makeup to kind of like cover it up like the fact that I have like sun damage on my skin kind of like shows that I've like been some places and had some experiences and and I think that like we forget that that nuance like when I look at you and like they're like they're there's just like you're you're a totally you're your own individual and you have you like you it's I don't even like I don't even want to say flaws like you're just like your own person mm-hmm. there was this one movie that I watched we were in uh we were flying between cities in Australia. I don't remember which ones at all. But it was a movie with Zoe Kazan, if you're familiar with her. She was in The Big Sick. Have you seen The Big Sick? No. Oh my gosh, it's such a cute movie. It's so adorable. You got to watch okay. it. Anyways, I love Zoe Kazan. She's so adorable. She's like, she's really she's very cute. She's a great actress. But anyways, it was about this writer and he wrote about this girl that he like his ideal his ideal girlfriend or like his ideal woman okay like he wrote about her he was like lonely I think that he had just gotten out of a breakup or something like that and he wrote about her and in the movie she comes to fruition she actually exists so like one day he wakes up you know and and, like she's there and she's like in the house and she's like she's like cooking and she has all the same personality traits as this woman that he wrote about in his book and um like they obviously like taking a, take a liking to each other and uh then they like I think they get into an argument or something like that so then what he does is he writes something new into her personality like and to counteract whatever thing he didn't like before and then she becomes that thing and then he, he kind of goes into this pattern where he keeps on making this corrective move on like this person and saying okay well I want you to be a little bit less like this and more like this and it it keeps on happening over and over and like you know she literally goes insane and um it made me think a lot differently about like myself and my flaws and the people that I love and their flaws because I think like you know we don't really know what we want as humans but like if I like even if I thought that I knew what I wanted out of the people that like I love like I would never it made me realize like how much we're all so imperfect but how I also wouldn't want to change anything about the people that I know and love yeah I I feel like I really want to watch that movie now it's kind of that kind of epitomizes our need for perfection on social media as well because you can edit out or change things that you don't like and that you don't want to see but then you just find more like you never you can never attain that 
perfection because then what you thought was perfection then changes because it's not quite perfect because nothing is yeah mm-hmm. I don't know it's like it's like when people end up getting you know a lot of like surgery to change the, the way that they look and at first it starts with you know whatever a nose job lips and I'm a, there's nothing I've, I have nothing against people who want to do stuff like that but I think it becomes this like rolling snowball that end, you end up finding more flaws and more flaws because you know none of us are perfect so where does it stop mm-hmm. if you if you start rolling the ball it just gets bigger and bigger um yeah I don't know but it's really hard to come to terms with your own faults and think okay this is all right I don't need to be perfect but then yeah. there's something about perfection that's so it's so boring I think there's something about seeing a face that's so full of makeup and I mean I went I wear makeup myself but you know really like where you end up not looking like yourself anymore I just think it's such a shame because there's nothing that's that I find attractive about that because I think that it is in our flaws like we don't realize it at the time but it's those quirky little things that probably make you more beautiful and more attractive Mm -hmm. and I think it's you know it's hard it's like people get upset when you say stuff like that you know and like and and they'll be like well you're a beautiful girl and you don't have to think about those things but I think that like we all have those we all have those nuances that we look at ourselves and I'm like I don't know where where I look at myself and I'm like man like you know (laughs) my face looks swollen I wish my face looked less swollen I mean genuinely like that's what I think when I look in the mirror like we all have those those things but it's I mean the crazy part is it's a really like it's a really uh, inflammatory thing to say to be like, well, I don't know about plastic surgery. Like, yeah, they maybe you can't just say like, oh, if people want to do it, that like we shouldn't think about it critically, like psychologically, the way that impacts the way that we feel about ourselves. And like when we get plastic surgery, we're trying to change ourselves. Right. So like, what are we trying to change ourselves into and why? Like, that's a that's an important question. I'm not saying that like we shouldn't nobody should be allowed to have plastic surgery like do whatever you want you should like install an elephant trunk on your back for all I care <laughs> but I just mean be like really useful <laughs> that would be really you would be like a really fun person at like pool parties if you had <laughs> so true <laughs> but um but I think that it's like you know like it's those things like we should be thinking about why we're doing that are we doing that because uh like we want to be perceived by others in the way that like in the way that is appealing or is it like what what is it where does that come from in and, and like you know and sometimes when I think about that like if if I think about spending money in any way that like points to vanity then I think about have you ever heard of this thing it's called um oh shit what's the name of it it's okay you might know the name of this it's like morally when like uh when you're spending money in a certain way how morally like how many lives that could save no i've never heard of it basically it's this concept where whatever whatever purchase you make you think about basically like how many lives can be saved in the process of spending that money elsewhere and it really makes you rethink so i josh brought this up a lot when they were on tour when we were touring in the u.s because out here because they were uh he was for there was a month where for every podcast review somebody left uh they would uh set they would give money i think it was like five bucks to the against malaria foundation and uh and it wasn't it was it, it, malaria is like a ridiculous you know a ridiculous illness that has like out of everyone 
that has ever died like more people have died from malaria than has killed like anybody in like in the entire planet ever it's, it's always been malaria that has been the main cause of issues so it's like okay so when you think about how much a net costs and how much that costs to save a life like it makes you think a little bit differently about like you know for me like you know, i i think about it on a small scale like buying you know eyeliner or whatever but even like on a broader scale like buying like more expensive accoutrements yeah I think that's a really good point but also I just feel terrible when I buy stuff for myself anyway so <laughs> like I have such anxiety about ever spending money on myself so I think that's just that would just make me feel a million times worse. and I like I get it there's definitely times when you have to be more mindful of what you're spending and like I think like the value of five pounds you're five pound for me to say like buy a drink at Starbucks or to save a life yeah it seems kind of like you can't weigh those two things against each other how the how that money is used I know like you can't do it every time but I think it's good to inject it like I think it's good to inject it sometimes because then it kind of like but yeah, every time would be too much. Like you can't think about. That's the hard thing. I would thing never is, do like, anything. Think, I would sit in my house, yeah. rocking in the corner. <laughs> I know, I know, and I think that's what we do with a lot of these like huge issues. Is that we kind of try and isolate ourselves. Did you? I read an article recently. This is like insane. I think it was in the New York Times, and it was uh, this article is about the guy that like the man who knows too little. I could find like the article title. Um, I bet he's really happy though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was the man who knew too little. And this guy is based in the United States. So in in November of 2017, after Donald Trump won the United States election, Mm -hmm. he established a moratorium on anything related to news or politics in his life. So um, he told all of his friends and family, he said, I don't want to know about anything political. Like, just please remove me from that conversation. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know anything that's going on. He removed the TV from his life. He doesn't, like, go on the internet. He he goes to a coffee shop and he puts on, like, white noise earbuds and, like, all of the baristas know that he's not supposed to know about anything political. And he's deeply isolated himself from, like, anything happening in the political, in the political realm in America. And um, I think that like that, uh, I, I don't think I would ever do that, but that does definitely prompt some good questions about like the value of knowing what's happening in the world when it's happening and, and how important it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely important to be aware, but it's nice sometimes to be blissfully unaware though, isn't it? Sometimes when I watch the news, I can feel terrible about everything that's going on. We're, like, because as humans, we kind of hone in on all the negative things and you don't hear a lot of the good stuff Mm -hmm. yeah I think it has a lot to do with like when I think about it I think like all right like does this influence his ability to, to, to be a good human like to be a good father to be a good son to be a good friend whatever I don't know I don't think so Probably not. It would be kind of hard to talk to somebody. Like if I had a friend and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can't talk about politics around them. That would probably change my relationship with them. But in terms of like a societal scale, like as long as you're able to add value and help people solve problems in a way that matters, that's good. But I mean, if you think about it, like like the plastic issue, for instance, if a scientist like decided not to watch or listen to the news and then like 
they wouldn't realize that the issue of like plastic would be existing in the world. So they would never be there to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's such a, it's such a hard toss up. I feel like sometimes I'm two totally different people. Like a really big part of me would love to go and live in the woods and just not have like any connections to anything like that. And then there's another part of me that knows like the value of like being in the know and knowing what's going on and like having a voice politically and having an opinion on something is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like if you were to not know, if you were to not know about anything that's happened in the UK in the last year politically, do you think that would change uh, the way that you've lived your life or the things that you've done or not done? Probably not. I mean, although I'm like aware of the stuff that's going on, I'm not, I'm not really around anyone who's very politically motivated, if that makes sense. Like, it's not a regular topic of conversation for me and the people who I'm closest Mm -hmm. to. So, I don't know. I feel like I go out and vote when it matters, but the rest of the time, I don't know. I'm probably a lot more relaxed. I'm not, not, like, a political activist. Like, I think we can get angry about some stuff, but there's also, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know that goes on and I don't know if I could do like a better job if I was in that position I like to think that most people who are politicians do it out of wanting something good to happen and having like positive wanting to have positive outcomes um but who knows I don't know I've I think it would make me a very unhappy person if I became too political because I think there's a lot that you can't you can't control but I think that there is there is a place for it you know there's a place for people who are who do have a big voice politically and I think that they do what they do very well <laughs> so there's no yeah, need I for me depending to. on the person yeah. <laughs> I think I wonder like I wonder though if sometimes like I kind of I don't know I kind of feel this way about environmentalism but I guess I could feel this way about about any political topic I think that like when some people depending on if you have like a very deep personal relationship with the issue um but I think there's good sides of it but I would I wonder sometimes though when, when people get like really politically involved or like really upset like I wonder if um a lot of time when that happens when people are like get very 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 upset over politics I used to I don't anymore um I don't know if that's just like for a lack of me having interest in justice. I hope that that's not the case. Like I would like to tell myself that's not the case, but if I'm like reflecting, like I don't really know if that's apathy or not, but I don't know. I think, um, I think a lot of times when we make decisions to be like super politically active, I wonder if there's like an inner turmoil that's happening, you know, because I think that a lot of the frustrations that we have like internally in our lives, they come out in different ways and like different obsessions. Like the way that I cope with anxiety is I just make sure that my house like I try and make it look like a hotel. (laughs) Like I just clean it. I try and make it look as nice and as like luxurious as possible. And that's like the way that I work out my neuroses like and some people knit somebody you know some people like you know post on facebooks and goes to like protests and stuff like that and there's nothing wrong with that but i guess what i'm saying is like i think that it takes a lot of self-reflection to be politically involved it doesn't take it but i think that it would be a huge asset to people who are deeply involved in politics because i think sometimes that like i don't know it's like I feel like sometimes even like environmentalism could be like a different form of like religion, 
you know, and, and, and because it's like, well, the better you are, the less plastic you use. And, and then like plastic like becomes a sin and it becomes like this weird thing. So like we kind of integrate these ideas into our lives in a way that like, I don't know, that places us in a like higher up in the hierarchical ladder of like doing right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're always like so quick to downplay our own mistakes but like so easy to pinpoint others mistakes yeah yeah exactly exactly so it changes it changes the way that we exist in the world yeah I've missed these conversations (laughs) me too (laughs) I go into this thought cloud where I'm just like whoa the world (laughs) yeah I I was talking to Matt and I was like like am I different like if I when I'm podcasting with Melissa am I like was I different and he was like yeah you talk to me less about girl stuff (laughs) okay I'm like that's probably that makes sense but that makes sense but this is hardly girl stuff (laughs) no definitely not a little bit about makeup might have bored them but who knows that's okay yeah I don't really care because I mean well it's, it's just a point of like reflection like guys have a version of that yeah it's just a little bit more it's just a little bit different and it's just it's more about like the way that we perceive ourselves and it is about the actual thing of being makeup like of makeup itself yeah how exciting hey Jess I'm so excited yeah. to see how this podcast goes and all the interviews you're gonna have on I think it's gonna be oh, great geez. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. If I'm if I'm being totally honest, I'm definitely mildly terrified. Um, That's a good thing. Definitely, you should mildly be terrified. Yeah, because you, no, well, because you care about it. Whenever I used to, whenever I get like anxious or scared, Ross always tells me it's because you care. That's a good thing. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. I guess so. Yeah, definitely. It'll, yeah, I think it'll be really fun. I mean, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll be having you on pretty regularly so you and I can can get chatting so today after we hit the stop record button we gotta plan out our next record date Mm -hmm. yes we do Mm -hmm. um all right guys well thank you guys so much for listening and uh yeah I guess like this is the first episode uh yeah I'm gonna be trying to put these out weekly so yeah it'll be a lot of fun we have a 3d heart printing doctor coming up and then uh I'm hoping to get this guy on. His name is Carl Evans, and he has a coffee shop in Chicago in Logan Square. It's called uh, Sip of Hope or Hope for the Day. It's a coffee shop. All of the profits from the coffee shop go towards suicide prevention. So I'm really interested to hear his story and how he got that started. That's a really important thing these days. Mental health needs to be talked more about. So it'll be fun to shed some light on that. I'm excited to listen. oh gosh all right i want you on more often we're gonna gonna have you on a lot melissa no i'm excited to be on i'm glad to be on but i'm definitely glad to be a listener as well sounds like you've got some really (laughs) exciting people coming up it's gonna be fun oh and i'm gonna have my neighbor on and listen to this okay i'm sorry i so my neighbor his name is kyle and he is uh working on a documentary about this tree in utah it's the world's largest Mm. living organism so this tree is amazing. This tree has like, okay, so if you look at a forest, right? And the trees are like going up in the forest, they're going straight up and they have roots going down. This tree is connected at the roots only and there's no seeds. So these, there's like these massive forests, but it's just from this one tree 
that just keeps on sprouting up like more stumps over and over and over again. So it's the world's largest living organism in Utah. This is like a tree and it's like acres and acres and acres. Love trees. I'll be listening. I know. You'll have at least I know. one I gotta listener ask him, in me. <laughs> I wonder if that tree sleeps. Well, surely he would know. Surely he would know. We'll have to find out. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. You take it easy. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.